0: be seated. Depending on who you ask, the foot race is the best competition there is, the truest competition. Some would say a wrestling match. Some would say boxing. Uh, When God created me, um, he did not make me in the form of a runner. No one looks at me and says, wow, he looks like he runs. Uh, And I hated running growing up, and in seventh grade, on the track team, you had to do one running event, so naturally, I picked the 400. (laughs) I don't know why. Uh, So then I kind of got into running back in 2007, after this series of events. And then a friend of mine said, hey, how about we try something different than running? Because running is simply too easy. He said, why don't we go and do this thing called rucking? I'm like, okay, well, I'll try anything twice. And rucking is where you put uh, 30 pounds, if you're a male, in your backpack, and you proceed to walk a distance, say, 50 miles, because 49 seems too short. (laughs) And after you've done a ruck, you realize the best part of rucking is the end when you can take off your backpack, because uh, nothing says pain like adding an extra 30 pounds to your body, except when you want to eat Sandy's donuts. Then you don't care. So what's tougher, running or rucking? We could do a poll, but then we would have some dissent among us. The runners who braved yesterday would say, pah, anybody can walk. And the ruckers would say, clearly, you've never tried rucking. And I would agree with that. I said after the 50-mile ruck, I am never doing that again. Unless somebody asks me, then I would do it again. We are in Hebrews chapter 12, speaking of group exercise. Did you ever, remember when step aerobics was like a thing? It's coming back, trust me. I never was into group exercise until I joined CrossFit and realized CrossFit isn't about the workout, it's about the community. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love to get a text about uh, spouses betting on my sermons. (laughs) Someone is going to be disappointed after the sermon and might not even be the couple that's betting on the sermon. So, like I said, I used to run uh, some marathons, and I learned early on the importance of the pace group. See, it was the Twin Cities Marathon. It was uh, 2008, and I had a goal to run a 3-hour and 45-minute marathon. And as I started running, I was feeling great, as you usually do at the beginning of a marathon. And I looked, and I saw... There's the 340 group. Why not run with them? The challenge is when you run too fast, too early, then you realize that you don't want to keep running at a certain point. And when you see your family on Summit Avenue, you just want to quit. (laughs) And I love the people that cheer you on and say, just keep running as if I want to be walking and cramping up. Running is a funny thing. The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, as a result of all the things that we just talked about in chapter 11, because as we know, these chapters are a complete add-on after the fact. This would have been a natural flow. Therefore, because of the people that we have just talked about in the previous verses, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. And what." A great encouraging verse because when we look at faith we're not on this journey of faith alone this is not some Alex Honnold or John Mark solo mission the life of faith is about a life of community it's a life together it's a life of sharing one another's bread and one another's burdens The life of faith is about gathering together. Today we celebrate communion, which implies community. We don't have to do this alone. In fact, we aren't supposed to do this alone. This is why we gather together on a Sunday morning. We gather to be together, to commune with one another, to share in community together. And I have to say, if we can articulate the ins and outs of the sermon, and yet we have not connected with another person on a Sunday morning, we are missing out on what God desires for us in our gathering times. If we can articulate what the writer of Hebrews is trying to say, and yet we have not connected with someone else, we are missing out on the point of what the body of Christ is to be in this communal gathering on Sunday morning. Because we gather to be together. Yes, part of it is singing and part of it is reading from the Word. But the biggest part of it is being together. Together. The life of faith is the life of community and community that just doesn't start and end at the front door. Our community doesn't start once we pass Ritter and end once we pass Ritter. (laughs) Because community and communal life is about doing life together. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer in this short little book talks about it this way. He says, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. This is true not merely at the beginning, as though in the course of time something else were to be added to our community. It remains so for all the future and to all eternity. I have community with others, and I shall continue to have it only through Jesus Christ. The more genuine and the deeper our community becomes, the more will everything else between us recede? The more clearly and purely will Jesus Christ and his work become the one and only thing that is vital between us. We have one another only through Christ, but through Christ we do have one another, holy and for all eternity. So the writer of Hebrews says, because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, because we are living in community together, because we see who has gone before us, we see who is with us today. That this thing called faith isn't someone out just doing and grinding by themselves, it's about being together. Because we are encouraged by those who have gone before us and we are encouraged by those who are with us today. I mean, there's nothing more painful than being out slogging it through a marathon in the rain and there's giant stretches of no one. And your brain says, what are you even doing out here? Like, just quit. I mean, no one's around. No one's going to care. If a race was about completing a certain distance in a certain time then all races would be run by individuals but races are not run that way they are ran together because it's about being together and so much of the race is about having other people that don't want to run <laughs> they're like yeah i'm good Yesterday morning, I was like, there is not a chance. If I would have paid all my money to run that race, I wouldn't have ran it. I've ran it before in the rain, and it's terrible. And Nikki's like, yeah, you would have. Okay, probably. <laughs> because it is about being together, because we're not alone. And so often we can feel as if we are alone, even though we're surrounded by people. People. Because community isn't about proximity, it's about connection. Community isn't about where we sit or stand, it's about the shared relationality between individuals. And for some of us, it's hard. And frankly, for all of us, it's hard. People say, well, Eric, it's easy for you to just go up to some random person and start talking to them. Not really. Not really. And the writer of Hebrews is encouraging the the hearers of this letter because they are experiencing persecution, as we talked about last week, and saying, don't give up because you're not alone. And we hear that same thing today. And then... They say, let us lay aside every weight. Literally, this imagery of dropping weight. If you've read or listened to the, the things they carried, Tim O'Brien does this grueling detail of the things that soldiers carried. Literally, the things that they carried in Vietnam. Not only the physical things that they carried, but also the emotional toll that they carried. And he starts the book... Talking about one individual who's carrying with him photos of this gal, and yet it's not just the photos that he's carrying. Because when we carry things that are heavy, it's hard. It's hard. And we become convinced that we have to carry all the things that have existed in our past. But what is it in our past that currently resides in our present that is weighing us down? What are the things that are in our past that reside in the present that are weighing us down? What are the thoughts and ideas that we have allowed others to place in our backpacks? That as we add them over time, we don't realize how heavy they are until we become overwhelmed. I don't feel the additional 30 pounds of weight that I've added since I started working here, but when I pick up that backpack, I know what 30 pounds of dead weight feels like. And it's dead weight because it's unnecessary. What are the bad theological positions that we have held these beliefs about God that people have enforced on us so that we have come to have a twisted understanding of who God is? What are the experiences in our lives that that continue to burden us in the present that linger from the past? One thing I want to challenge us with today. What if we could write down the things that are burdening us, and then we could drop them off? Every week we talk about the connect card and the importance of the connect card and the prayer requests. And and I want to invite us today to, to use the connect card as an opportunity to write down the things that we would like to get rid of, unburden ourselves from. And then as we leave, we just drop them off and get rid of them, not needing to pick them back up. Again, beliefs about who God is that are Oftentimes from our past that are not helpful at best, and at worst, extremely damaging. Terrence Reel, in his book, I Don't Want to Talk About It, goes through the litany of the importance of dealing with the things that reside in our past, in particular, males who are gripped by depression, either covert or overt depression. Depression. And some of the things in our past and some of the things in our present need professional help. They need to be dealt with by a professional because we can't unburden ourselves of them. And God has done an amazing work through creating all sorts of mental health resources to free us from these burdens that we carry. Because as the writer of Hebrews says, we need to lay aside the weight. Literally, let us run by means of throwing off. And as Brian Stevenson, we've quoted him before, and this quote just continues to resonate. Each of us is more than the worst thing we have ever done. Each of us is more than the worst thing we have ever done and the worst thing that's ever been done to us. So often we take on the burdens of things that have been done to us and we carry them and we allow them to ruin our lives in the present. And the writer of Hebrews says, let's get rid of these things. Let's literally unburden ourselves from these things. And the sins which so closely, which clings so closely. And the writer doesn't talk about specific sins because the list of sins isn't just physical acts of things that we do. It's a mentality that we embrace. Because acting out in malice is just as bad as participating in all of the other sins that we can think of. Jealousy and envy and strife are just as bad as fill-in-the-blank, drunkenness, adultery, all these things. And we need to free ourselves. As I think about this, you know, you ever take a nap? Like in your clothes? You're like, always? Always? Then you wake up and you're like, your pants are twisted or your shirt is twisted. And you're just like, ah, ah. Like, why did I sleep with these clothes on? And the writer of Hebrews encourages us to free ourselves from the sins that cling and try to attach themselves to us. And trip us up and derail the faith that we are trying to live into. I am not who I was ten years ago, five years ago, or even two years ago. I want to be different. I don't want to be stuck in my past. I truly want to be free from the weight and the sin that so closely clings to me. I want to progress. I want to be transformed. That is what the Christian life is progression and transformation from who we were to who we are becoming. And this is part of the process. It's the freeing of the weight. It's the unburdening ourselves of the sin that grips us. And how are we to do that? With endurance. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And I know some of us are like, can we just stop with like the athletic metaphors cuz like some of us are athletically averse. I didn't write the Bible. <laughs> I didn't write this. David Allen says this about this Greek word. The Greek word translated perseverance or endurance connotes an active endurance involving effort and struggle not a passive patience. And sometimes the endurance that we need is mental. <laughs> is mental. you know. As I text John yesterday about his race, and he's not John uh, with the H, but John without the H, you don't have an H, right? Right? Correct? And he said the hardest part about the race yesterday was The mental battle of the rain and the wind and the cold. How often is it the case that that the hardest part about enduring our faith is the darkest nights? It's the moments that feel like we are all alone. The moments in which Satan tries to communicate to us that, no, you aren't free. No, you have not unburdened yourself. You are still stuck in who you used to be. And this endurance written to a group of individuals who were experiencing persecution was an inspiring thing to, to hear. This idea of endurance that the Christian faith isn't all puppy dogs and ice cream. Sometimes it's suffering and we need endurance. And how do we endure? We endure together. For my 30th birthday, I decided to run this 50K uh, in the cities on this trail run. And it was four laps. And like an ignorant person, um, I started out too early, and a lot of people were walking up the hills. And I'm like, ah, I've been training for this thing. I'm light, I'm fresh. Why are you walking up this hill? fourth lap my friend was she she comes out and she's like come on i'm going to run with you and i'm like why <laughs> just let me suffer alone because at this point i'm not running i have long left my endurance on the shelf but she says no we're going to do this together And if it wasn't for her, I would have been stuck in my own head of moping and beating myself up. Oh, you ran a terrible race. You're not, what were you thinking? And, you know, just fill in the blank. But together, it's like, no, I'm not going to walk or I'm not going to walk as slow or as long because we have other people with us. And that is what faith is. We are together, enduring together. Satan wants to cut us off and isolate us and keep us In a place that says, Oh no, you're all alone in this. And we're not alone. We are not alone. We are in this together, enduring together. And when one person falls behind, we wait for them and we encourage them and we say, We can do this. We can do this thing together. Alex Hutchinson, in his book Endure, Mind, Body, and Curiously Elastic Limits of Human Performance, he borrows from Samuel Mercora's definition of effort, and he says, Endurance is the struggle to continue against a mounting desire to stop. A mounting desire to stop. And then the author tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. This is perfect. Looking to Jesus. As John talked about on Easter, don't look at me. <laughs> don't look at the person that stands on the stage. I am an incredibly flawed person. I make mistakes on the regular, daily. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to disappoint. That's what human beings do. We disappoint one another. And when we, when we uplift the person that, that is before us in our faith as if they are somehow otherworldly, when they make a mistake, it's as if our faith is crumbled because our faith has been in a person and not in Jesus Christ. So don't look at me. Look at Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. I am going to disappoint. Jesus is not going to disappoint because he lived this life With joy that was set before him, joy enduring the cross, despising the shame. As Tom Schreiner says, Jesus despising the shame means a rejection of regard for one's reputation and would include corresponding negative counter evaluation of those who would seek to judge one's actions as disgraceful. Jesus endured the cross for us, despising the shame. And so we look to him. We don't look to the person that's up front. We look to Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ set out and perfected our faith for us. And he endured the cross so that we may be united with him and together and live into this thing called faith in Jesus Christ, leaving behind our past, striving towards our future. In him. And it's okay. We can say, "Woohoo! <laughs> this is it. This is it. This is the good news. Jesus Christ endured the cross on our behalf so that we don't have to live stuck in our sin, stuck in our past, stuck in our shame. Amen! Amen! That is the good news. And we're all in this together. How great is that? And yes, we're all going to make mistakes and we're all going to do dumb things and and then we're going to forgive and experience grace and reconciliation and wholeness because of Jesus Christ. Not because of ourselves. Because if left to ourselves Look at the world. All we do is fight and destroy and bite and and create tribalism and factions and demonize other people for what they say and who they are and how they act. And Jesus Christ does the opposite and reconciles us all together. Together. And yes, this race, this ruck, this thing called life, this journey of faith that we are on seems so long But we are on this journey together if we are in Christ. May we run together with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, encouraging one another as we live into the future, freeing ourselves from the past. Let's pray. Lord God, you are so good Jesus, you are the author and perfecter of our faith. The desire that you have for us to live in community together at times boggles our minds. Holy Spirit, we give you the things of our past that have burdened us for too long free us from the sin that has gripped us so that we can live into the freedom of the cross, into the joy that is only found through Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.